It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour as part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar, today we are at Wayfair on Ferret Street where they put fine dining into a sandwich and fine booze into a glass for three hours a day every day here they have a happy hour from four to seven with super cool and cheap drinks what are you guys drinking today rosemary reyes is that the correct pronunciation yes it is okay is drinking a cucumber drink it's yeah i guess it's called the cucumber cooler a cucumber cooler holly hobbs you're drinking a cucumber drink i am now i don't know how often this has happened we have two guests with the same letters that begin both of their names rosemary reyes and Holly Hobbs. Wow. How about that? I just noticed that. Rolf Shoemaker, you fucked it up. <laughs> I did. You'll have to change your name to Roomaker. Once, once again. <laughs> Do you fuck up a lot of stuff? Well, I, I, uh, I, I add uh, variety. Add variety? Yes. That's a good way of putting it. Yes. Well, could you ch- change your name to Roomaker? Or <laughs> Shelf? I could. Shelf Shoemaker. I have aliases. Do you? Well, are, do you really? Um, at times. What for? Who are you hiding from? Uh, no, it just makes it more interesting. Really? Do you introduce yourself as different names to like, people? Like my Facebook is a different name because I remember... Oh, the dear, oh, dear. Like yeah. Yeah, why do people do that? So you're, because you're hiding? You want to be on Facebook, but you don't want people I've to know who you are. I've always preferred to be in the background. But why be on Facebook at all? So I can keep up with my kids. Oh, okay. So you can sort of stalk your kids. Well, do they I, know that it's not... Oh, yeah, they do. They, they share with me all the time. Well, what's your name on Facebook, or don't you want to tell us? Oh, I can. It's Frank Jaffe. Frank Jaffe. Yes. So you're Jewish on Facebook. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I converted Judaism some time ago. And you converted to Judaism. If you go to New York, uh, you look in Frank Jaffe in the phone book. There's thousands of them. Yeah. So, it's so just, you just it's took like that. John Smith. Is it in New York? Yeah. Hey, Rosemary, you're from New York, aren't you? I am. Do you, yes. know, do you know any Frank Jaffe's? I don't. You're no. I guess you're the first one. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Despite there being thousands. Of them. Yeah. Well, how did you know that? Did you spend time in New York? Yes, yeah, spent time in New York, New Jersey. How long? Um, off and on um, in the late seventies, er, early eighties, when I was in the wholesale jewelry business. Really? Uh, my uh, ah. my daughter's mother is a Jewish American princess from New Jersey. My daughter's mother. Yes. Were you ever married to her? Yes. Okay, so you married a young Jewish woman. Yes, I did. From New York, and that's why you converted to Judaism. That's correct. That's an interesting. Did you have to convert because her parents made you? No, no. I just um, I embrace Judaism. It's very similar to Christianity, and, well, it's, and it's just it's the basis of Christianity. Yes. I was a, a ordained minister at one time, and then uh, Southern Baptist, and then I converted we've got a Judaism. lot of stuff to go on <laughs> already <laughs> in the first minute. Hang on yeah. a second. Where should we start with that, Holly? You're like a professional interviewer. Where would you start with that question? Um, Line of questions. His approach to religion. How okay. does he approach religion? That's Go ahead, take over. <laughs> I, I, I embrace it. I mean, it's um, for me. It's always been good to have a spiritual foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so more more similarities in religions than there are differences, uh, and most people seem to focus on the differences, and I like to focus on the similarities. Um, good answer. Yeah. I have a question. If they're so similar, why do you have to change? It's not about changing, it's just about experiencing different um, focuses. I've been going Folk to Catholic, going to the, um, the uh, Catholic Church the last 25 years. My son's Catholic, my daughter's Jewish. Hmm, um, that's an interesting Christmas yeah. and Hanukkah. Right. 
around the table. I'm totally lost about this, though. Can we go back to the beginnings or close to it? You were born a Southern Baptist. Yes, my my parents are very very religious and um, very religious. Yes. What does that mean? Well, I went to church six times a week. Um, <laughs> I read the Bible which every day night. You, which day do you take off? Well, we went twice on Sundays and, and Wednesday nights um, and Thursdays and also Saturdays uh, for special things. And oh, my dad was always very involved in the church. He was a deacon. Where was this? Um, all over. My father was in the Air Force, so um, we traveled a lot. I went so to 10 schools from kindergarten to 12th grade. So. Religious and military. That's got like two strikes there. Uh, I mean, not two uh, strikes, two burdens. Oh, I look at them as, as uh, opportunities for growth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true, but still, for a kid, uh, it was it was a lot. It it, it ac- actually uh, pushed my boundaries and um, changing in alcohol. When I now when I was, uh, I loved to drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was seeing why. Uh, that's a lot of stress for a kid to put up with growing up. It, it's a uh, it's a great uh, training. Yeah, you know, but, I I hated when I was a kid. I hated moving all the time. I hate being the new kid all the time. Yeah, uh, but it really pr- provided me with some really great uh, tools. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. Did you come up with a strategy for coping when you when you was suddenly in a? I read a lot. I read a lot, so I escaped through reading. Oh, I went, you know. So. But you have to interact with kids when you change schools. Do you, you do. Did you come up with some sort of like, were you a funny guy or a sports guy? Or um, I usually fighter? I usually uh, approach first. You know, I took the I took the lead right. and, and say hi, I'm Ralph, and that's really added to my life. And in, in as a little kid, in the hospitality industry, you know. Right. So as a little kid, you have to get used to saying hi, I'm Ralph. Maybe a better preacher too. Yeah, I yeah. bet. Do you remember being kids? You, you too, Holly and Rosemary. You remember introducing yourself as a child? I don't remember that. I mean, I actually also grew up in New Jersey um, after leaving New York when I was nine, and. And New Jersey, the New Jersey culture in general is really specific. You know, it's like people are pretty direct. (laughs) So they have that New York directness. But there's this extra kind of layer of extravagance with how people present. So there's, you know, gold hoops and lots of gum and like finely teased eyebrows. (laughs) Well, you're talking about women. Women. But the men are pretty extravagant, too. You know, that's the whole thing of the Jersey Shore is kind of that. People like, you know, uh, I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that for sure. Um, But, you know, lots of people go to the gym. It's like this, like very kind of aesthetically based culture where people are kind of obsessed with their their appearance. But in this like kind of abnormal way um, well they don't look attractive on that exactly show. well to us they don't but you know but they do to, to themselves they do <laughs> it's a very specific small sort of culture that you're talking about here yeah it is it is you actually. grew up in that i grew up in that partially um but i, I always identified more with new york city um my parents are from dominican republic so they're immigrants and i grew up in a spanish-speaking home and that's kind of the environment i grew up in predominantly right. um so i identify with that was that, yeah. was that a strong religious background as well? It was Catholic, for sure. Um, lots of relics, you know, lots of uh, baby Jesus statues around the house oh. and lots of prayers, but nothing where I was going to church every Sunday like that. It was more of like a cultural kind Is of Is that thing. a Catholic thing, the, the, the icons, the things? Or I that don't know. that. I think every religion has that in some form. Well, I, know, but so I thought some, most, some types of Christianity don't believe in the idols, and Catholicism does. Is, is that right, Ralph? Yeah, yeah, it's more Catholicism. 
Right. Yeah. Well, the saints and stuff, because they don't know what... Do you hold anything about religion at all? A bit, yeah. Well, what's the deal with that? Is that right? That some types of Christianity don't have... are more idol-based than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the mores are just kind of different. I mean, Catholic uh, Catholicism is very old world, and, um, you know, all of their... It's kind of idol worship. I mean, in Ireland, you know, they bury figurines in the yard to do certain things. Hey, I did that, too. <laughs> we do that here as well. And they have... St. Joseph, you know, that, uh-huh. that works. Yeah, and they have amulets, and they have, you know, all this sorts of... This is the Irish of, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, they have all sorts of kind of tangible, you know, expressions of faith that don't really occur here. The Irish specifically? Yeah, but, I mean, that's just one example. There's How do you lots know? Did you spend time in Ireland? Yeah, I lived there ah. for four years. Four years? Yeah. That's a long time. Mm, it was. Well, that's interesting. What part of Ireland? Galway. Galway. Mm-hmm. Was that where the Guinness comes from? Uh, no. Um, Guinness comes from Dublin. Dublin. Did you have a lot of Guinness while you were there, though? Yes, it's necessary. I know. It's the best, isn't it? <laughs> it is really good. It tastes different here. You can't here. beat it. It's true. Everybody says it tastes different here, and it's true. How did you get on with that drinking beer at room temperature? Um, well, with Guinness, it just it, it didn't really come up, and it's always cold there. So, I mean, I think after a while... <laughs> Room temperature is cold. different, right? Yeah. yeah, you just welcome something that's not freezing. Are you from here freezing. originally, Holly? No, I'm from Missouri. Oh, that's right. Right. From Columbia, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So I just found that out at the bar before the show. Mm-hmm. So I didn't waste any time at all finding it. I'm actually from a farm outside of Columbia, about 20 minutes. Oh, you're a country girl? I am. Oh, my goodness. How did you get here? Via, um, via Galway. My uh, dad was a professor at the university, and he was always taking sabbaticals and traveling a lot for work and research, and he spent a lot of time in South America and in East Africa. I traveled with my family a lot, and so I kind of grew up going back and forth between this farm in Missouri and East Africa, and then... Jesus, I thought Ralph had it tough <laughs> as a kid. You went from East Africa... What is East Africa? What, what country is it? <clears throat> Tanzania, Kenya, um, Uganda... Rwanda. You it depends li- on your definition, you but usually there's four. You lived in Rwanda, Tanzania? No, 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 just Kenya and Tanzania. Kenya and Tanzania. Mm-hmm. What goes on in Kenya and Tanzania? What's the similarity between those two? Is there any? Um, I mean, they're both Swahili-speaking. All of East Africa is Swahili-speaking. Oh. But besides that, they're very, very different countries. Tanzania is a much more Muslim country. Kenya is a Christian country, generally speaking. Um, their experiences with colonialism are very different. Um, What's the difference? One was a colony and one wasn't? Uh, no, one no, was no. a British colony? Or they both British? They both Tanzania's were. Tanzania's original name was Tanganyika. Mm-hmm. And that was a British Germans. colony. Germans and British. Germans yeah, as yeah. Well. That's and what was, was Kenya? Was that a British colony? British. Mm-hmm. Was it always called Kenya? Yes. Okay, that's right. Mm-hmm. Nairobi is the Indeed. capital of Kenya. You remember that from high school? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Did you know that, Rob? Uh, yes, uh, and, and I think our, our, our president has some... He's there. from Kenya, or his no? His father was. His father was from Kenya, right? He was really born in Kenya, I believe, right? That's not really American, is that correct? Well, some people say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's m- Muslim, <laughs> not really Christian, as well. Uh, people say that as well. <laughs> um, so, do you speak uh, Swahili? I do a bit. Okay. Well, what can you say in Swahili that would you know? Can you do the whole introduction to Happy Hour if I give it to you? No. That would be impossible. <laughs> no, don't ask Shit, me Shit, that, that would be awesome. If we <laughs> what does it sound like? Has it got the clicking in the back of the throat type? No, no. It's that's not just, that? That's South Africa. That's Kosa. Oh, that's Kosa. Mm-hmm. You don't speak any Kosa, do you? I do not. So not what does Swahili word. sound like? Habarigani. Nzuri sana na wewe Well, that does sound nice. What does that mean? 
uh, how are you? What's going on? I'm fine. And is it unusual to see a white person saying that over there, or are there tons of white? No, people? because Kenya was originally a settler colony, okay. meaning that lots of British went there and stayed, lived because it was an upland climate. There weren't many mosquitoes, so the disease wasn't an issue, and so there have always been tons of white people who've lived there. Wow. And what did the British want with it? What, was it was it like farmland or? It was a positional colony, meaning that, you know. Geographically, geopolitically. Geographic, right, right, right. So what's it, who did they want to invade? From Extraction there? of resources, too, was always they big, just like every colony. They silver and stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. So what's it close to that the British would like to have controlled around there? What was it, what? What's it geographically? Well, Kenya's on the Indian Ocean, and so it's just right at the edge there. So mm. it kind of is positional to everything else, the Middle East, uh, the Far East, Indian trade routes, Zanzibar, Lamu. Okay, so that. how old are you when you're going between Kenya, Tanzania, and the As little farm outside Colombia? As a child, uh, back and forth, and then um, I've gone probably once every other year since then. So you liked it? Yeah, I'm you going. You got the bug. I did. I'm going back in to Tanzania in August this August wow, month. That, is it hot is uh, it, well is no, it it's humid it's winter there you know. oh it's in the southern hemisphere so southern it's the opposite yeah oh, so that'll be nice well it's not winter I mean it'll be right. 75 but it rains more it's a rainy season are you going better. to Dar es Salaam I am okay so are you are you a because I see here it's just I, I printed both of your stuff off you know LinkedIn yes you're very prepared it's the ver it's the, the uh, two most intimidating LinkedIn bios you've ever read in your life. I'm not even kidding. If you have low self-esteem, do not read these. <laughs> so it says here, and he said, says that, you're that, that you're the, the consultant workshop leader of a music festival in Dar es Salaam. Yes. And somebody <laughs> put on Twitter something, is this you who listens to us from Dar es Salaam? Uh, that's definitely probably somebody that I know. That uh, I that's why we have listeners in Dar es Salaam. Mm -hmm. Somebody mm -hmm. wrote on, on Twitter that Happy Hour is their favorite podcast well, and that's good. because it's it's educational and entertaining. Uh -huh. Well, and whoever that is, if I know them, hello. Hello. Hi. So it's, you didn't do that. So someone actually is. I was wondering if it was just a joke. No. Nope. So someone in Dar es Salaam is listening to us. Well, hello, Dar es Salaam. That is incredible. So, wh what is the Santuri project? Uh, the Santuri project started as an offshoot of um, the Sauti Zabusara Music Festival in Zanzibar, and uh, it would. Okay. It's I don't think I've ever heard that sentence before. <laughs> It's funded as a three-year plan um, by EVOS, which is a nonprofit or an NGO based out of the Netherlands, gave a bunch of money to help revitalize the music industry in East Africa. Why? So what happened to the music industry in East Africa? Did it well, hit a slump, <coughs> like the rest of the world, for example? Sure, sure, but um, it never really had the resources to be able to go as far as other places, obviously. Um, but... Uh, you know, vinyl was really an issue, and now um, with the internet, like there's a lack of you know resources available to really make it an even playing field, and so now everybody's moving toward internet-based things, and so um, it's to kind of help train people, help connect um, indigenous performers with modern performers, um, and to you know create DJ mixes based off of both of those and combine skills and create um, move indigenous aesthetics into um, a modern, a modern format, mixing modern and traditional. So this is a together. music festival. Um, no, the Sanctuary Project is not. It started as it's not a festival. It's just a an initiative, a project. An, a project, okay. Right. So what do you do? 
So um, I'm gonna work with them. I the last year um, in the spring, I um, helped set up workshops. So we did workshops with a lot of DJs in East Africa to help train them and uh, get them online. Training to with be a DJ. What does that involve? <laughs> well, no, it was more on the marketing of, end. What's the weed department? Do they smoke a lot of weed? The DJs over there, yeah. like here. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Where do they? Where do you get it? Is it legal? No, but um, it's really no. It's not legal. But it's it's something that's kind of you know people are left alone. So you don't get busted if you smoke and weed. You shouldn't do it in music. public, but you right. know. But otherwise, it's kind of like here. Well, not here, but you know, more well. conservative places in the U.S. Right. So so you go over there. How did you get the money to do this? Did you did you raise the money yourself, like on? No, actually, um, it's somewhat affordable. If you if you get it early enough, you can get a flight for about $1,200, which isn't terrible. But um, lately, for the last four years, my sister has lived in Dar es Salaam. You have a sister in Dar es Salaam. I well, that's handy. She's got she, a spare room. She works for USA. Maybe she's the person who's listening to us. Yeah. Well, What's her name? Mary Hobbs. Mary Hobbs. Yeah. No, that doesn't ring a bell, I don't think. Why <laughs> does she live there? Uh, for, for USAID. She works for USAID. And USAID. Uh, mm-hmm. Goodness me. Foreign diplomacy. That's amazing. Have you got any other sisters and brothers? I do. I have uh, three more besides that. What are they, other, what are they doing? The three? My brother run, uh, works for the VA hospital based out of D.C. And um, one of my sisters works in a public library. And the other one is retired. She took early retirement and works on houses. Well, so you've got a pretty high different. achieving kind of a family altogether, though. Sure. From this, and what does your father teach from this little farm in Colombia? Sociology. Sociology, that's a good one. So right? all, my, all my people are musicians, and so, um, you know, kind of grew up traveling and uh, spending a lot of time thinking about music, watching other people make music, um, and got really interested in music and social justice issues, um, which is kind of what moved me to um, focus on ethnomusicology. I'm a musician myself. I play guitar and piano. But um, I was looking for a profession that really combined... Um, teaching, thinking about music and social justice, writing about it, and then also being able to play and being involved with musicians. Holy and so crap. And you're a PhD it? student. Uh, did you gra- have you finished I'll your be PhD? I'll be done um, in August or December, but definitely this August year. August or December. Mm-hmm. So on LinkedIn it says that I'm currently an ABD. What does that stand for? All but dissertation. All but so dissertation. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you have to just write, you've done all your coursework. The dissertation's almost done. Okay, so it says PhD candidate in eth- ethnomusicology, which I can't even say, at Tulane. Uh, and it says planned graduation date May 2015. I thought maybe today was the day. No, no, no. I need to update my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so you have another couple of months worth of yeah. writing to do. Yeah, but I'm almost done. And y- what's your dissertation about? It is on um, rap in New Orleans post Katrina. Okay, that's a PhD. You're going to be a doctor of New Orleans rap. I am. Okay, well, and then on that note, the piece of cucumber just fell out of your drink. Oh, no, and I got a text. So. Who's it from? Um, this is from a rap artist named Chasing Cash. Chasing Cash. Chasing Cash. Good name. Is <laughs> he a local guy? Is he, it he or she? He is, but he's quite well known. He, um, you know, has done um, production for Drake and for a lot of other people. So he's he's got sixty five thousand followers on Twitter. He's quite well okay. known. Okay. So he. He's uh, Drake's producer. What's he texting you about? He asked, um, or actually, he said that he was about to log in to my Nola Hip Hop Archive Twitter because he's going to do a guest spot on the Twitter. So I have to announce him now. Okay, so. you want to do that? Um, well, let's so make sure it's all set up. Okay, so he's doing. Um, he's. You have a Twitter account. I do. Nola Hip Hop Archive or N O Hip Hop Archive actually. N O Hip Hop Archive. I do. 
you don't look like the kind of person who have a hip hop archive. No? Not really. What does that person look like? I would say black. That would be the first qual- <laughs> qualification I would think of. I can't, I can't so see how would you would think that. <laughs> well, that's what I would think if someone said they were a hip hop archivist. Would you guys think that, Rosemary? I think so. That would be my first, that would be my first buy-in thought. Ralph, don't you think? Not in New Orleans. Not in New Orleans. No. no. What made you, what attracted you to hip hop? as opposed to all the other music forms in the um, world? You know, actually, it was what I was talking about, music and social justice issues. I remember right. being in Kenya in the late 90s and seeing um, rappers, you know, perform on the streets about water rights and, you know, the social movement yeah. stuff. And it was fascinating. And then moving here, um, I didn't really have this plan in mind when I moved here, but... Um, but, you know, rap is kind of the voice of social justice movements, or many of them in New Orleans. And it was interesting it in that way. Um, one of them. One voice, certainly. It would be good if it was doing yeah. anything. Is it really effective? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Who's, who would be? I mean, I know there's... I don't really know. I mean, I don't know this person. Chase and... What's his name? Chase and Cash. Chase and Cash. Mm-hmm. Chase and Cash. I mean, that doesn't sound like social justice. That sounds like somebody's trying to get rich, for example. Well, I mean, sure, there's um, embracing where you come from, embracing the aesthetics of the genre, and then doing what you do within that. So, I mean, there's certain things that look like things that might not be what they look like, or sometimes they are what they look like, um, but they're used in a different way. We don't hear much in the way of social justice hip-hop, except for our fabulous friend Truth Universal, Mm -hmm. who's Mm -hmm. awesome, who really does go out of his way to make a point. He does, he does. But But who else is there? But there are a lot of people doing it, and, um, you know, I think we have to expand our definition of social justice and what that Ah, looks like. You know, um, what does it mean? Well, for example, um, Nesby Phipps is a good example. He's He's uh, awesome, too. He's another... Yeah. Been on our show. Right, he's the grandnephew of Mahalia Jackson, and he does a lot of. Is he really? You yeah. never told us that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. He does a lot of um, jazz-inspired work, um, yeah. but he kind of formed the 0017th movement out of Holly Grove, and since that time, it's really become uh, a whole kind of ward movement, or that's you know expanded beyond that ward, and you know for. Um, identity purposes, pride and community. It's moved in from an apparel thing to you know music, apparel, uh, a bunch of different um, uh, different directions, and it's really given pride to a community that didn't have mm. much to bank on. Before. Which community is that? Seventeenth uh, Ward, Holly Grove. Holly Grove. That, is that where the, like the Holly Grove Market is and the baseball field and that over there yeah. off Carrollton? Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's called the 17th one. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nesby Phipps is interesting. I tried to get Nesby Phipps to do a podcast. Well, like, I can ask him. Can see if he'll do it, see if you can talk him into it. All right. I think he's such a great guy and so interesting, and the music is so great mm-hmm. that I thought it would be good to have so we could make that part of his social justice campaign. All right, perfect. The Social Justice Nesby Phipps podcast, don't you think? So, but there's this stuff, when you say it's about social justice, that's talking about changing society, kind of like your dad is a sociologist. I mm-hmm. guess that's where mm-hmm. that all comes from, right? Right. So, how, how, how does that work, though? How would you affect change here in New Orleans through hip-hop? Well, I think um, what I was just talking about, 0017th, is a really good example. I mean, reinstilling pride in one's own community is a very profound movement forward, especially when, you know, okay. that community was so hard hit after Katrina. Um, and before Katrina was suffering, you know, huge well, amounts what, of problems. What's the definition of social change, then? <clears throat> I mean... Making, feeling pride about yourself doesn't change anything, except you feel better about yourself. Well, you and, can still be and what do people who feel better about themselves do? They act better. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know one followed from the other. When you know better, you do better. That's all. Is that right? I think so. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, is that a proven fact? No, but I think it's very <laughs> true on an energy level. Is it? Yeah. When you feel better about yourself, you do better. When you know better, you do better. When you know better, you, is it like a saying? Did you it's make education. It's about education. Right. You know. Do you find that to be true in your experience? I do. I think more educated people make better decisions, um, more informed decisions. Um, the, the modern rap hip-hop movement it reminds me a lot of the, the folk movement in, in the 50s and 60s, which I was very much a part of. Yeah. And, um, and it was about spreading a message, about um, uh, saying, hey, this, this is not right, this is going on. What do you think about that? And I think that's what's going on now. I hear a lot in the, the messages. They're, they're more and more positive messages in, in hip-hop and rap these days than uh, a lot of people. Uh, I think a lot of people, particularly a lot of white conservative people, think of rap or, or, as a, um, a thug thing. Mm. And there was that image, I think, at one time. Um, but it's, there's, it's like any other music. There's this huge spectrum. You think that's... Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I mean, one doesn't have to talk about positive, quote, positive, unquote, things to be positive. You know, I mean, one can um, talk about the problems in one's community. One can um, talk about how one deals with those problems internally or personally or whatever and still have it be positive. You know, you don't all have to talk about world change and, you know, in things in a very explicit way in order to you know, effect change. What would be the definition of change? That just feeling good about yourself? No, no. That's reductive. I mean, it... <laughs> I don't know what that means. Even. What does it reduct? <laughs> uh, reducing something complex to a uh, simplistic form. Well, that's what we do. We're entertainers. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think um, speaking about one's reality in a way that is aware is never a bad thing. And I think mm -hmm. it expands people's you know, views about things. It certainly expands people's views about the city. It brings to light problems and issues in the city that might otherwise be misunderstood, ignored, whatever. So, so you, you brought some music with you. I did. I actually so brought one from Nesby um, that okay. we were just talking about. Yeah, let's take a listen to something that you're um, and I was curating. Is I this was part of the archive? Is that your hair or mine on you? Uh, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I was just saying that he's the grandnephew of uh, Mahalia Jackson, and he does a lot of jazz work. Um, and so this is one of his uh, jazz. Sorry about that. That's it's nice. What's this one called? Uh, blue and green. Blue and green. It samples Miles fixed. Davis. Miles Davis is blue and green. Speaker known as some as the G and them three four sneakers cross trained and a thought came put in motion lockdown digital block sell blue rocks and cellophane the game finna get washed and I can smell a rain I invite it when it drive makes the colors brighter and then turn I'm inspired it's only right that I respond yes when asked if I supply this one fresh out the fire would you like to try it I let it cool a bit wouldn't want you to bruise your lips and I'll admit that I couldn't have been a cooler fifths drawn with a felt tip under lunar eclipse the blue and green enthusiasts
So that's called uh, Blue and Green. Mm-hmm. Do you know why he called it Blue and Green? Uh, well, because it samples Miles Davis's Blue and Green. Oh, it's from Kind of Blue. Oh, okay. So what's the deal with that? Do you, do you get sued for that or not? Um, well, you can't uh, make money off it if you, you take a sample. No, no. So Nisby's just doing this for art. Yes. Oh, well, nice. I mean, he he's sold a lot of commercial records and makes money off of those, but he didn't, you know, if he doesn't clear a sample, then he can't use it commercially. Right. I think yeah, he works with Drake as well, doesn't he? Or someone like that. I can't mm-hmm, remember mm-hmm, who it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is great. Hey, listen, we should take, we're going to come back in just a second. And, and I want to talk to you, Rosemary, about all these amazing things you're doing as well. That sounds great. They're incredible. Pelican bomb, you guys. But first of all, let me just take a moment to thank these people who make the show possible today. Our today, show today is brought to us in part by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a crazy schedule, the folks at Petite Pet Care will take care of your pet in his or her own home. Anybody have pets? I do. What have you got? I've got a kitty cat. A cat? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's his or her name? Violet. Violet. Mm-hmm. It's a girl, I assume. Right? What, how old is she? What does she look like? She's, uh, what? She's five. So what she's happens when you go to Kenya, etc.? I have a very lovely friend, Cherie, who takes her in. Cherie takes, takes care of her? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you ever need anyone else... Christy at Petite Pet Care will help you out as well. Okay, perfect. Rosemary, do you have a pet? I don't, but I'm no. in the market for a cat. So. You're looking for a cat? Yeah, I am. Oh, we can help you out there, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> no problem. I'm sure someone <laughs> listening to this has <laughs> got a cat. No, a there's a lot the of cats out there. <laughs> Ralph, you have pets down there in the Bywater? I have grand dogs. Grand dogs. That's cute. Well, I, I, watch, I keep you my kids. son's dogs from time to time and his cat. Okay. Well, you might be a candidate for Petite Pet Care. Yeah, right. Anyway, check them out. For loving care when you're not there, go to PetitePetCare.com. Thanks also to Basics Swim and Gym, where they have a full range of fashion swimsuits, workout, and yoga clothes with style. The all-new Basics Swim and Gym is on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. Hangover Destroyer as well helped us out make this show today. And they're the guys who make the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Go to the Hangover Destroyer website. Have you tried this as an alcoholic? In fact, no, I haven't. I don't get hangovers. You don't get a hangover. Uh, How did you manage that? Pace. <laughs> really? That's yeah. truth. You can just drink enough to get plastered. No, you just but, you pace yourself. But and do you I, get and drunk? Hydrate. 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 And hydrate. And but that's what that means. That means have a drink and then glass of water. And, yeah, that's really. If you can do that, though. Yeah. That's really it's hard. It's called discipline. Discipline, yeah. That's very difficult, yeah. though. If you can't do that, go to hdestroyer.com, write the words happy hour and the coupon code, and get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer and seize the dawn. And thank you also to unlistednola.com, the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans. If you know what you're looking for, you can find your perfect match before it comes on the market. It's the match.com of real estate. It's unlistednola.com. Thanks to all those folks. And Holly. I mean, no, Rosemary. I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> I knew that the whole time. So, Rosemary, tell us about, it says here that, that you're involved in something called Pelican Bomb. You moved here to New Orleans, specifically from New York, to work for Pelican Bomb. I did. Which doesn't, is not what it sounds like. Nothing to do with pelicans <laughs> or bombing. Um, the name is nonsensical. I think it's something that just kind of was put together because to, it's catchy and people remember it. Right. Um, but the organization is a small contemporary visual arts nonprofit. And the mission of the organization is to make New Orleans a sustainable and supportive environment for artists to live and work. So we have a roving exhibitions program where we have pop-up exhibitions in different underutilized spaces in New Orleans and different galleries that approach us. Um, 
and we have an affordable art sales program on our website where we commission local artists. Affordable art, that yeah. is a good thing for a lot of people listening to this, I'm sure, are interested in that because that's one thing about art is it's so damn expensive. Yeah, and it's kind of Everybody absurd that you can't yeah. really afford it yourself. Yeah, isn't and it? Everybody wants art on their walls and in their house, but you go to an exhibition like and you just like everything starts at so much money you're like wow I don't really want to pay all that so, we so how do you make it affordable we commission local artists to do a special edition print for us of some sort um, and we sell everything for $80 on our website 80 bucks mm-hmm. and they're all original works um, and it gives them a source of income and people an outlet to collect artwork from local artists well so that's a great idea so you can have a real piece of New Orleans art for $80 today absolutely yeah and where do we go for that pelicanbomb.com pelicanbomb.com and it's our community supported arts program what a great idea oh yeah and, and then we also do um, we have an online publication where we publish essays and art reviews right. uh, about contemporary art practices here in New Orleans and Louisiana who's paying for all this um, it's a nonprofit, so private funders and foundations. We uh, do all development work. So you raise money for it. Grants Is and all of that. Is that what you do? I, that's part of my job, but it, mostly I work on the website and do community outreach and editorial for the website and things like that. I mean, it is a small, uh, it's a team of five of us, so we all have wear like five different hats that's at the end of the day. That's a lot of people, five people. Well, it's three full-time and two part-time. So, But we do a lot on the website and right. a lot on the ground. So it is a lot of work, but how it's long fun been, work. How long have you been doing it? Since October. I started oh, just October, October 2014? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So really fresh. So someone, just so, so someone hired you and flew you here and moved you here, especially for... <laughs> um, yeah. You applied it, for the job or you know people or how? I was kind of in between work. I had left... I was working at Juilliard um, in New York before this. You see what I mean by intimidating <laughs> for a LinkedIn? Working at Juilliard. Yeah. Which is the preeminent music school in America. That's right. What, um, what were you doing there? I was working in institutional development abroad. So Juilliard was looking to expand internationally and open satellite campuses in, around the world. Wow. And I spearheaded an initiative in Mexico City um, and was working abroad in China and things like that to start kind of China satellite and programs. things like that. <laughs> and things like that. So um, what, but what other things are like China? Like <laughs> Hong Kong? Very few things are yeah, like China. Right. I spent a year in Shanghai um, as part of my graduate degree. And Do you I speak Chinese? I learned a little bit of Mandarin, but I it was survival Mandarin at that point. So Can you say hello, how are you, or whatever <laughs> Holly said in Swahili? Uh, <laughs> Ni hao hama. Okay. <laughs> Ralph, the pressure's on you. That's I'm coming to you eventually for another language. <laughs> 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 Bonjour, monsieur. That's French. Well, you grew up in Lafayette, right? So there you go. Yeah. I, I lived in France when I was a teenager. And you lived in France as well? Yeah. Well, that's a very cosmopolitan collection of <laughs> random folks here. So you lived in China and Shanghai? Yeah, I did. What um, were you doing? Working for Juilliard? No, I was, um, I was completing my graduate degree. So I did a two-year program. The first year was at the London School of Economics in London. And then the second year was in Shanghai at Fudan University. And I was studying journalism, actually. And Jesus Christ, you sound way overqualified to be working <laughs> down here in New Orleans on some sort of I, community I, art project. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to do something different and, and kind of more grassroots. Um, and I'm getting it. And I think I'm learning a ton. Um, and I'm learning a lot about what is needed out there in terms of ad- advocacy. And you went to the London School of Economics. And then, which is not easy, not easy to get into. I think Mick Jagger went there, though. So he dropped out. He dropped out. <laughs> like yeah, a semester. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe it's not that difficult. <laughs> to get 
but but it's pretty very prestigious school to go to. That's yeah, for sure. It was a great education. And then you end up with a degree in a, um, a an undergraduate degree or a master's. A master's, master's in degree. what? It was global media and communications. So a master's in global media and communications from the London School of Economics. Mm-hmm. And then you got a job in Shanghai, um, working on the newspaper. N- yes, I was working as a columnist for the Shanghai Daily while I was a student there. Um, and then I moved back to New York and was working for Juliet. For Juliet. Mm-hmm. And that was a, f- a fundraising type. It was fundraising. It was, looking, it was, was programming. It was an outreach. Yeah, it was mostly outreach and so like what, high level. What did you. High level what? High level development. So, what in your education prepared you for that? Nothing. Like you were gonna, nothing. nothing. <laughs> it was. Why did they hire you for that? Is that your phone ringing? <laughs> yep. Who's calling two? I have no idea. Four zero. What? You want to take it? I don't know. Should I? Yeah, you just hold it up to the mic so we can all hear it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know it's scary. You never know who it's going to be. Hello. Oh, I'll have to call you back. Oh, yes. Actually, on the radio right now. What number, (laughs) Chestnut Street? Okay, I'll call you back. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So you're moving apartments. It's so embarrassing. Uh No, no, I'm not sure, but I just saw one this morning and it was lovely. So. Oh, you weren't thinking of moving until you saw it. Yeah. You driving past? No, walking past. I live in the Garden District, and right. you know, I'm always kind of looking around for, you know, something well, else. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. What's I'm wrong sorry to interrupt. Oh, no What's problem. wrong with the place you've got now? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Just it's just a little bit small. Well, that's one thing wrong with it. Yeah. What does Violet think of it? Violet is kind of she goes unhappy wherever she goes. She's so unhappy. <laughs> really Isn't that a horrible, <laughs> poor she's little thing? Why is she so unhappy? Because exactly. she's a cat. Because she's a cat, yeah. You think cats are always unhappy? Yeah, they're always just kind of mean and... There's some happy cats out there. I, I mean, that's because I don't own a cat, but... <laughs> exact, that You're is going to own a cat. <laughs> You'll learn. You have to believe that they're happy, otherwise you wouldn't want to get one. Exactly. Right. Right. What made you get Violet, Hobby? I didn't. She showed someone up. Someone dumped her on she you? She literally she dumped her. She just Really? Someone literally dumped her on you? I was sitting on the porch, and somebody drove by and no kind of threw it. Yeah, when wow. she was a kitten. You were sitting on your front porch mm-hmm. in the garden district. Mm-hmm. Somebody drove by in a car, mm-hmm. assumedly, mm-hmm. and threw a kitten mm-hmm. out the window. No, like open the door open and the just d- kind of... In front yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't see me. I didn't, it wasn't like it was you meant for me. <laughs> I think they just kind of landed in the bushes. And What a horrific thing to do. Yeah, no. yeah. So I felt kind of bad, but then I also felt like maybe I should just keep her because, you know... Do you believe in some sort of universal law of... Not explicitly, but, you know, it seems kind of like... Did you think, God damn it, I wish I wasn't sitting on my fucking porch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some some <laughs> other person would have had to deal now. with her. Yeah. yeah. How long ago was that? I think five years. Yeah. She's five now. Wow. Okay. Well, that's how you got a cat. Now, how are you going to get yours? I wonder, Rosemary. I don't know. I feel like it'll just come to me that way. Um, you could go sit on the porch. Is it yeah. the house you're in now? <laughs> yeah, there you go. You could like go sit on Holly's porch. There's a lot of opportunities to so, get hey, a are pet. You, well, <laughs> are you looking for a new apartment? Because you could have Holly's No, apartment. I just moved. You so just moved. Mm-hmm. Okay, where are you living now? I'm living in Mid-City. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, by the racetrack. So, so what about Shanghai? Where did you live in Shanghai? How do you get an apartment? I lived um, right off of West Nanjing Road. And I think what threw me off about Shanghai was just like how pr- like prominent expat culture is there. So there are a lot of Westerners living okay. in Shanghai. It's uh, incredibly cosmopolitan and is actually not that Chinese, which is what turned me off to living there. Because wow. like, why move to China if you're not going to have a Chinese experience? It's not you know? that Chinese. What do you mean by not that Chinese? Is I mean, it I like think Chinatown, say, in San Francisco? No, not necessarily. I mean, there are certain things that are kind of, you know, very explicitly Chinese. But I think coming... I, I think Beijing would have been a much more authentic experience. I think Shanghai just there's a lot of Western money in Shanghai, okay. and there's a lot of and capitalism is just like you know 
really blown up. <laughs> and like, is it like it's almost like a cartoonized version really? of Is it like the Manhattan West. or anything? I, I, again, I, no, I don't know that I would compare it to any city in the West necessarily, but um, there's a, a very, very predominant Western kind of presence there. And... And it's it's not necessarily a great thing, in my opinion. It's not um, that positive. It wasn't positive, no. Hmm. But I, I I learned a lot being there, and it was just hard to penetrate, like the the Chinese community because my Mandarin wasn't at a good level, and and it takes years, you know, decades to be at a good level of Mandarin. Can you so write? Could you read any of it or write? At any one of point, it? I could probably like look at a newspaper headline, and guess the topic. Right. But that's rel- that, pretty that's impressive. As, that's as advanced as I got, I think. Yeah. That's pretty impressive, even so. What uh, what alphabet is it? Is Swahili in? Is it the English alphabet, or is it? Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. That makes it a bit easier, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Do they have newspapers in Swahili and oh, yeah. magazines as well? Mm-hmm. Everything. And it's written in the English, so it's not really a written language originally then. it is it is yeah well not originally well, it, it was a trade language that began yeah. you know orally and then it was translated soon after it's been written for quite some time it has how'd they get the English? was that from the did they start writing it down after the british got there or before <coughs> that no uh before that certainly um okay. but uh, can you read it oh yeah because yeah, yeah. it's in yeah. english right right same yeah, language yep. yeah okay so rosemary you went from shanghai to new york and then yes. what made you want to come here and do this? Well, I guess I'm from New York, so returning to New York meant a lot of things. Um, and it was great being back, but it was also just kind of overwhelming having to deal with just the pace of the city, I compared think. Compared to Shanghai? Or not, not really compared to anything, just given my personality. Um, and so I visited New Orleans about two years ago. In August, and oh, that's a good time to come here. It, I mean, it was empty and hot, and I yeah, loved it. I I loved it. You loved it immediately. Yeah, I did. Okay. And so there was something that grabbed me, and I couldn't really articulate it, but I couldn't stop thinking about the city. And so, what made you come here in the first? Place? Just a little vacation. Just to feel, just to just check to it see out. it. Yeah, right. and I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't get it out of my head. And a year later, I was just moving here, and there was so this you were just going to come here. What, whatever happened, you were just going to come here and find. I something. I was kind of on the fence, and then I got this job offer, and it was like, well, I have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> How cool! Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It's been a crazy few months um, getting acquainted. And everything. It has only been a few months, but it, yeah. You've. You think you're going to stay? I, that's a difficult question. Um, you know, I think you need to give a place at least a year or two to really know where you're at and how you can thrive here. And so I'm still I'm still sussing it out and, right. you know, seeing what feels good and what doesn't. And you made friends and everything? You yeah, I think that's one thing that's been really beautiful is community building here has been, right. like, really powerful. And people really help each other and look out for each other. Yeah. And that's a huge, huge culture different cultural difference from new york where people are just like out out to defend themselves right. and like because that's how you survive in a place like that but here it's lots of love between people and that's been really really remarkable well, and that's a nice thing to discover even mm-hmm. if nothing else yeah how could you leave that exactly so i'm figuring it out yeah. but it feels good right now so, so other than going to and buying an 80 dollar piece of artwork <laughs> at on pelicanbomb.com there's some sort of exhibition that people were talking about on Twitter before the show. Yes. About 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 a hair 
Yes, it's called it's, de- a, it's called detangled. Detangled, yeah. And um, it's a there are multiple. It's a multiple platform exhibition. It's online, so we have you know artists that are digital contributors. We have gifts. We have personal narratives. We have art reviews and essays that all are all about hair. And then we have the live exhibition, which is at UNO St. Claude Gallery, um, where we invite visitors to come into the gallery and have their hair portraits drawn by a live cartoonist that's there. They'll have their photo taken, and then they'll put their portrait on the wall to become a part of this kind of expanding archive. And they can choose where they belong on the wall depending on commonalities or whatever they feel suits you know, the other portraits that are on the wall. Okay. You can is ha- that clear? No. You can, ha- <laughs> you can have your hair portrait. What is yes. That, what does it's that basically, mean? there's a distant, so you're, it's just a drawing of your hair. No, no signs. Face. No face. Okay. No signs of race. No signs okay. of what you look like. Just no facial. Hair. Yeah. Just your hair. Oh, that's real. When is this taking place? It's at UNO St. Claude Gallery. When? When? Yeah. Um, it's been open since early May and it'll be oh. open through June 7th. So June 7th, 2015, in yes. case you're listening to this yes. at some point and in the future. Okay. Saturday and Sundays from noon to 5 at 2429 St. Claude Avenue. Okay, that little low sort of setback. Yes, it's kind of discreet, yeah. so you can miss it, it easily. Hard. It's easy to miss it. Set back right off St. Claude Avenue. Like exactly. Back. I don't know why it's set back so far. It's like a little bunker. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cute little gallery, though, actually. It's, it's a, a beautiful cool, space. There's some good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It's owned by U, is it UNO owns it. It's UNO, yes. Yeah. Okay, so did you come up with this? My, my, well, the founders of Pelican Bomb had this idea for a few years, and the opportunity came when UNO approached them to use a gallery space for something. Detangled. Yeah. So it's, it's been great because it's, it's something that we want to make, you know, accessible for the community. Right. You know, a lot of the, what's happening on St. Claude right now in the arts, you know, can be a bit isolating um, for the community that's there that's been there for years and we wanted something this is the gentrification type yes issue. Um, and it's something that I you know I felt really passionate about in, in terms of community outreach something that people come in and are excited and feel a part of and feel like they can understand and engage in dialogue about identity politics and kind of and beauty politics which is something that's very sensitive um, but important for people to feel comfortable discussing you mean so in the in the gallery in the gallery itself? So people mm-hmm. come in to have the hair portrait done, and then they and then end up getting into a conversation about yeah. And it's been wonderful. You know, I think it's been a really positive space for people. Um, and I've gotten to meet really a lot of amazing artists who work with hair as their medium. Really? Um, yeah, it's How been really interesting. How many artists work with hair as a medium? I, you'd be surprised. I would, <laughs> I would be. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. What are they doing, these people? Um, one woman was doing these kind of then this is kind of strange but she was doing these like drawings of men men's butt hair men's butt hair <laughs> and <laughs> actually we'll probably be putting one of the drawings up on our website um okay. but so th- very kind of obscure so, weird who, who is this things. person do i actually don't can't, i don't remember her name okay off the so top she of my goes head. up to someone and she will say i like to I'd like to take your pants down and I'd like I to don't know what I don't know what her hit. practice is or what that looks like. <laughs> I don't know if it's something that she's imagined or if she's drawing oh, it. Oh, I see doing it out of your imagination. Yeah, it could be. Or, <laughs> I mean, she could have okay. a point of reference. But it, it's, it, yeah, hair in all its forms, body okay. hair. And, 
And that's kind of where we're getting at on the website, too, is, you know, we have a lot of pieces about, you know, Tennessee hair. Williams' paintings and hairless men. And hmm. we have one person talking about, you know, going gray at an early age. I talk about have being an Afro-Latina and having to come to terms hair. with my natural hair. And um, there's one piece about being a redhead. So it's just like... What do you call yourself? Afro-Latina? Yes. <laughs> That's a great name. Where does the Afro bit come in? Um, just... Uh, I guess because the the Caribbean and the and Latin America is diasporic, you know, everyone is mixed. So right. um, identifying with blackness and being Latino, and that's something right. that it's kind of, you know, unfortunately, it's very new for a lot of people. Is Afro-Latina. Mm-hmm. It's got a great ring to it. <laughs> you also sort have of Afro-Latina off as well. Thank you. You're here. What'd you say? What did I say? What did yeah. I say? No, um, see... You're down the same part of the world there. Rolf yes. works at Bacchanal. I asked him before the show what I describe you as. And what did you tell me? You do adult supervision. I provide adult supervision. <laughs> at Bacchanal. But you're in the same boat where you have like a gen, um, sort of a gentrif- gentrifying neighborhood that you're kind of responsible for. Gentrifying. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. I've been hanging in the bywater for 15, 20 years. And um, I look at uh, what's going on as a natural process. Um, cities do this, and um, it's just part of um, change. Yeah. A- and and I can be a force of the positive aspect of it or a negative. So I, I always try to look at things in life in, in a positive way, and and to um, accent that. And I think by doing that, it um, it makes at least the world I live in better. Well, part of Bacchanal's mission at the beginning was to be a sort of a community. It always has been it always been a place for the community to come. It was very um, much so after Katrina. Uh, Chris, the founder, always wanted a place that people could come and, and be, and be as they were. Not as how they think they should be, but how as they were. And he was always very um, accepting, loving, uh, allowed a place for just people to, to have community. And um, and it's grown as many things do, and organically, um, we provide a lot of more services now. We have a lot of local live jazz, uh, a lot of young young musicians, a lot of people from Noka, as well as other places, and provide opportunity for them to play. And um, it's just uh, maybe a good hookup with you guys, Pelican Bomb, as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Be, because we, you know, we have a lot of bare walls upstairs, and maybe we could do something, you know, to, some wonderful. kind of involvement, you know, yeah. and, and an ongoing thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, but um, because that's what Bacchano really is—is is a place um, to um, experience, experience living, and in, in, in all its forms. What What do you really do there, actually? Um. I provide the facilities management. I, I'm, I have a lot of different skills, so that I make sure things work and they're fixed and okay. they work. Um, so I also, I also um, help manage. I help. Um, we have a lot of young people there, and I, that's what I like about um, the hospitality industry. I'm always involved with, with people of all ages, but it, it keeps me alive and vital. Um, and well, you've been in the hospitality industry for a long time. After you got out of the over forty years, yeah. after you got out of the jewelry business, well, in between, I, I, I get bored sometimes. <laughs> I, I like different things. Yeah. Um, but um, I started in, uh, as a bartender in '74, and uh, when I was in college, um, 
and then are you still going to church six times a week mm, well it depends your definition of church okay <laughs> if, you, if you say Bacchanal yes that's that's my church that's now. a church that's my church okay um, but um, well Bacchanalia is a religion I, it is I it's just a, don't know if there's an actual spiritual being at Bacchanalia is there it's it's for me it's a, um, a celebration of life and all those really earthy things of life that, that are basic um, yeah. Okay. So it's kind of churchy in the well, in, a, in, a in the community of, concept. In a lot of ways. It has a lot of spirituality to it for right. me. Um, I feel uh, whole and complete there. I, I uh, have the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people every day, uh, share um, views, um, experiences. Um, there's a lot of love there. Yeah. And, and that's what you were talking about earlier about New Orleans is there's there's a lot of expression of love and community here that you don't find many other places. And I've lived a lot of different places, and, and this is really special. This is where I choose to draw my last breath. This is um, this is a special place that we live in, and um, and there are a lot of changes. And, and in spite of getting my car towed and all those other things, you know, I, there's another place I want to live. You know, there's what do it's, you think, it's life. What do you think makes a place special? I mean, you've moved here too. Holly, mm -hmm. and 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 you. Well, we've all moved here. What do you think? Is it is it the place? Is there like a place on a on a map? Is there a geographical point that makes it special? Sometimes. Or, do you think that's what it is? It's the confluence of forces, or is it just people? History I guess it depends. Too. I think the history of the city probably has a lot yeah, to do with very it. Very much so. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it, yeah, like like Ralph was saying, it feels like it, there is something holy here. It's, it feels like a sacred space where you need to be mindful about your presence, you know, and be intentional about your presence. How does that jibe with the, you know, the activities on Bourbon Street and the and the you know, the, the, that whole side of New Orleans, which is pretty prevalent too. There are many colors in life. I mean, there's so many aspects of life, and that's just one of those those aspects. I mean, it's not it's not life, but it's part of life. Um, right. And, and it's also a you know Bourbon Street, for all its um, um, perceived negative aspects, is a driving economic force for New Orleans. Well, yeah, you can't and, deny and, that. And, and, and it is ways. people enjoying themselves as well. And, which and, is and so that affects us all in New Orleans. And um, But that's not New Orleans. Uh, Bourbon Street's not New Orleans. It's part of New Orleans, but it's not New Orleans. Uh, Graham. Hi. Well, I just wanted to say that Bourbon Street, you were talking about Bacchanal, you were talking about the spirit. Those workers in the French Quarter, there is such a connection there. You know, that's part. That's a big part of the city, I think. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true, too. But there's, but that's part of a celebration of life too. That, that lifestyle, even though it is insane, and it gives permission. And drunk. It gives people permission that um, they don't always have in their lives other parts of the country. Right. They come here and they have permission to do whatever they do. And sometimes it's yeah. not really pretty, <laughs> but it's still they're they're experiencing something different. They're allowing themselves to be different in some way, and I think that's a very uh, life-giving, positive thing. Did you give up formal religion at some point from going from no. Southern Baptism to I, Judaism? I don't, I don't think I've given up anything in religion. I, uh, I, um, I'm a very, I consider myself a spiritual person. Uh, I have a strong faith. 
uh, may, may not be definable or agree. My, my brother, for instance, he's older than I am. He's very, very strict religious in terms of literal interpretation of the Bible. Um, and he worries about me every day. He prays for my soul every day. And, and I keep telling him, you know, it's cool, Jeff. I'm, we believe the same thing. We just talk about it differently. Why does he and, worry about you? Because he Because thinks I don't say and act the way he thinks that a person should sit, act and speak. That's what speak. I'm saying. You left it behind. The sort of the sort of straight and narrow church interpretation of religion. Yeah. I, You've replaced it with hanging out in a bar, talking to people. Which is pretty much what... I think Christ did. <laughs> I, I, I try to live a Christ-like life every day, and, and which I, my view of what Christ was Con- about. Consciously, Christ, consciously. Christ, yes, Christ was about um, loving um, the people around him, affecting a positive change in, in the world around him. Um, I was taught, I was raised to, to save the world, to be evangelists, you know, to, to knock. When I was nine and ten years old, we go door to door on Saturdays, you know, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Um, that's not what I do now. But I can't save the world. But what I can do is affect a positive change in everyone I encounter every day in my life. And in and, and some small way or some large way, if we all did that, it would be a pretty incredible world. Mm. And so I can't affect, tell other people what to do, but I can affect the world around me and the people I encounter. And both of you guys are doing the sort of same thing. Holly, you're trying to spread social change through through music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what you're setting out to do. Mm-hmm. And Rosemary, so you're trying to make people more aware through art. Hey, we got a call. Who is it? Uh, it's a business call that I... Uh, you can't take, take a business no. call on a show, really. Is it about a new apartment in Chestnut Street? That would be fun. No, it's just a business call. <laughs> so you're doing the same thing, Rosemary. You're trying yeah. to sort of make the world a brighter place through art. Absolutely. Pretty interesting combination of people, considering that it's a random collection of folks sitting around a table. Thanks to Graham DuPonte. Another good job. We've got to get out of here in a minute, but let's take a listen. In fact, right now we have to get out of here. Can we take a listen to one more thing before we go, Holly? Let's see. What do I have? Um, we can do... Well, what kind of mood are we in? Change the world. <laughs> Feel good. Up. Okay. Up. Yes. Uh, Can I talk over something? Yeah, sure, of okay, course. Okay, put it on, then I'll talk over it, and we'll get, right. us, I'll get us out of we'll here. We'll do brass band, because that makes everybody happy. Okay. This what, is uh, Manny Fresh is performing with the Stooges Brass Band live. Manny Fresh and the Stooges Brass mm-hmm. Band, okay. Okay, so now if we want to go hear this, if we want to uh, hear the stuff, your stuff, I, well you can go to nolahiphoparchive.com. That is the website where you can see 50 oral history interviews with New Orleans Rap and Bounds pioneers. nolahiphoparchive.com. Dot com. Mm-hmm. You've, you've done over 50 interviews with hip hop New Orleans hip hop artists. I have. Good heavens. Yes. Wow. How cool. Yeah. What have you learned? Well, how could you sum it up if you were to be reductive about it? <laughs> <laughs> we all learned. We all learned new words today. Um, I learned that there are very many different ways to think about art, but everybody's approaching it with the best intentions in mind. That's a good thing to be able to wrap it up with. However, they explain that, or however they they uh, they show that everybody's trying to make the world a better place in their own way. Every musician and every artist in their own way. Mm-hmm. 
just want to make the world a better place. And what what are we going to learn when we read your your your, your dissertation when it comes up? Uh, how artists post Katrina were using music to rebuild their communities. That's a lot of what I write about. And will we be able to actually read it? Will it be available to us? Yes, my dissertation should be turned into a book that would be available. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how do we find out about you and keep up with you? Um, I do have a small website, marasabah.com, M-A-R-A-S-A-B-A-H.com, or you can always find what I'm up to at nolahiphoparchive.com. Okay. I'm gonna, we'll have a link to, to your stuff on our website. It's neworleans.com, too, if you at the gym or driving around or somewhere else or underwater and you can't write it down, go check it out on our website. It's neworleans.com. Holly you. Hobbs, thank you so much for joining thanks us for here having today. Me. It's been great. Rosemary Reyes, thanks for joining thank us as well. Thank you for having me. Do you want to leave us with any final thoughts about where to find... Uh, it's pelicanbomb.com. Pelicanbomb.com and um, the exhibition Detangled is open through June 7th at UNO St. Claude Gallery at 2429 St. Claude. Very good. Well, we just said all that information is at pelicanbomb.com as well. And Ralph Shoemaker, thanks for joining us as well. We can see you any day or any night at Bacchanal. Bacchanal. We're open seven days a week at 11 o'clock. Can we come and ask for you? Yes, you may. I would like to do that. I'm sure some of our folks will do that. And find the the avuncular and... uh, Adult Supervisor, yes, Ralph Schumacher. You're in safe hands. Thank you very much, everybody. Yes. That was Happy Hour for an- another week. Thanks for joining us. The producer of our show is Graham DePonte, our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe, Christian Unruh, our music director. And our theme music that we normally play is uh, written and played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can sit around a table for about an hour, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. It's neworleans.com, where you can also check out a lot of other Happy Hours. And you can listen to other shows we make here as well. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the Game with the fabulous Chris True. Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the men who ate New Orleans. Ray Canata, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. Milo's Music Parlor with Kim Vu and the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans. Unlisted Nola. You can keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well, actually. We're on all of it. As It's New Orleans, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com. And uh, on our Facebook and Google Plus pages, you can see what we all look like. That's going to give you a shot. These photos are taken today by Alison Moon, who is over here. That's a person. You should be going to the hair exhibition. Check out Alison's hair. It's purple. If you listen to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, thank you for subscribing to us. Do one thing for me. Take one moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find, especially in Dar es Salaam, right? That is the most amazing thing of all. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich and fried booze into a glass. Come on down and check them out. They have a three-hour happy hour from four to seven every weekday and awesome sandwiches as well. Happy Hour is a broadcast, uh, well, it is, and a production of INO Broadcasting. For itsneworleans.com, Andrew Duhon is on the road. You can find out where he is. He might be in a place near you. Go to andrewduhon.com to find that out. For Graham DuPonte, everyone around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. I'll see you back here next week on Happy Hour.